Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. They keep printing out those dollars. You're going to see the gold price continue to rise. And uh, seems like Bitcoin's following suit as well, with Bitcoin staying firm at over $11,000 basically all week long. Uh, which it hasn't stayed for very long. It'll, it's it's kind of peaked up a couple times in the last two years at 11,000, but it hasn't really stayed for very long there. Usually it falls right away down to around 9,000 or, or below. So we may see, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the world of cryptocurrency, but gold certainly has held its value historically against fiat currencies as a long-time hedge against inflation. And inflation, for listeners who aren't familiar, is the act of printing more money into existence or incrementing zeros in a computer to create more uh, money in existence. Fiat money, that is to say, it was created by the, the fiat of the king, or in this case, the Federal Reserve. And Cointelegraph reporting in a letter to investors released July 29th, Pantera Capital CEO Dan Moorhead noted that the United States has printed a shocking amount of money to, quote, combat the pandemic-induced financial crisis. Well, we, <laughs> yeah, you're laughing because we know better. Mm-hmm. We know that printing money doesn't combat squat. It's not going to combat anything except mm-hmm. what it's going to do is it's going to steal value from the pockets of the people who are holding mm-hmm. the other money, the, the other dollar bills. It combats bankers having to work for a living, yeah. is what it is. <laughs> right. Even though Bitcoin's inflationary in that the money keeps, you know, the, the amount of Bitcoin in circulation continues to go up, it's predictable. We know when the inflation rate uh, of Bitcoin is going to cut there, in half. And, and there's a finite amount of That's correct. Bitcoin that will ever be produced. Unless so. they change it. Well, I mean... Which they could do. Everybody thinks yes. they're not going to change it, but they could. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, uh, But in theory, there yeah. will only be 21 million Bitcoins ever printed. I mean, they would kind of minted, be undermining... Whatever you want to call it. They would be money. undermining their own... Thing it would be to, to do that. But. It would be, but they're already well, doing. They'd that. be undermining their own thing if they let the uh, if they let the fees go to ridiculous rates and yeah, transactions. And, well, and they have. That's what they're too. doing. And you're yeah. right. So it's not it's not impossible. I mean, they haven't done it. I, I think I think ultimately they haven't done it to such a degree that it's ultimately collapsed on it, itself. Well, that's because in but, this case they're undermining it through negligence, whereas yeah. what you're talking about would be undermining it by actively doubling mm, the right, the, right. Uh, the amount of Bitcoin that they could print. So uh, the, the negligence that nobody is referring to here is that when Bitcoin has reached its maximum capacity, and it has, and it has been for the last two or three or five you know four years basically yeah. uh it's it's you know it back in 2017 its fees peaked up because what happens is they didn't expand the potential or they didn't expand the capacity for the network to handle more transactions a very very small amount of bitcoin transactions can go through per second or per mm-hmm. minute arguably bitcoin's administrators or their programming team has really dropped the ball on keeping bitcoin scaling uh, up to whatever the demand in the marketplace is. It is failing big time once again. Now, for the last couple of years, we saw typical Bitcoin fees at around two dollars, maybe a buck fifty. If you luck, if you were lucky, you know you might catch a day where it was sixty cents to a dollar for a Bitcoin transaction. But not in the last few weeks. It's been going up and going up, and now we're seeing five, six. I I paid a nine dollar fee the other day to send some Bitcoin to reload uh, the uh, I think it was a Bitcoin vending machine. Either way, 
Yeah, this is why it's I always crazy. when I get crypto in, I always convert to Bitcoin Cash or some other cryptocurrency first yep. before I start making smaller transactions with it because it's just costly. Yeah. I don't understand. Uh, truly, I do not understand why uh, Bitcoin is is considered so much more valuable by a lot of traders. I mean, for it to be at a 40x factor with so many coins that work way better just is bizarre. The reason why Bitcoin was useful was because you could do things like micropayments. You can't anymore, but originally you could. There was a whole website that a listener of ours, actually, Doug, uh, Doug Scribner, who is a longtime listener, supporter here on Free Talk Live, he created this website called Watch My Bit. And we had him on to talk about it when he was promoting it at different Bitcoin conferences back in the day. And what it was was it was a video streaming site that allowed the video creator to monetize directly from the viewer. So instead of a YouTube advertiser mm. model, this was a, hey, pay me five cents and you can watch the video kind of a model. Or you could set the price, right? So if it was 10 cents or a yeah, dollar or like a donation, what, you know, yeah, whatever donation. Tipping. Or you could just let it be whatever the person wanted to donate, right? right? So maybe they only want to give you a cent or two cents or yeah. whatever. I, I love the tipping model personally. But that, that was a model that worked with Bitcoin in the past. But then because the Bitcoin reached its maximum capacity and the fees started going up well now if you want to send 50 cents worth of bitcoin you got to include a three dollar fee on top of that and yeah no one's going to do that it's ridiculous mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know that the crypto or uh, bitcoin's value is you know gone to zero um but it's it certainly has, has, it's at 11 it's been, yeah. no, no, no no i mean in terms of its usefulness, its usefulness. as a currency but it's yeah. certainly gone way down relative to other cryptocurrencies right um if so. you're not sending large amounts of uh, of money with Bitcoin, it's not useful. Right. Yeah. And I feel badly because nearly all of what I sell is Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. According to Cointelegraph.com, Goldbug Peter Schiff is also concerned about the effects of money printing. He noted that comments by the chair of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, who said this week the Fed was using its, quote, full range of tools, unquote, to respond to the pandemic, printing money, keeping interest rates close to zero, and making asset purchases steady at $120 billion per month. Quote, the U.S. is about to experience one of the greatest inflationary periods in world history, Schiff said recently on Twitter. He said further, quote, any credibility the Fed has left will be lost. Federal Reserve notes soon won't be worth a continental, unquote. Now, what is a continental? Well, it was uh, paper money that the U.S. was at one time exchanged oh, right. <laughs> for treasury bonds at 1% of its face value. Uh, and wasn't that during the uh, Civil, Civil War? War Revolution. Yeah. Oh, was it the Revolution? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was put out by the Continental Congress. Didn't they do some sort of scam paper during the Civil War, too, they though? They did. The South had a currency, Was it the Greenback? Did they call it back that then? That also went down to, like, zero value afterward. And I think they had issues people accept- with accepting it hmm. because, uh, you know, if they lost, then it wouldn't be worth anything. Right. Yeah, the uh, the Greenback, I think, was actually uh, silver-backed. Um, oh, wow. Well, yeah, that's over. But it, uh, <laughs> um, and other things weren't during the, uh, during the war. The Motley Fool reporting almost half of all the jobs lost during the pandemic may be gone permanently. COVID-19's outbreak has done a number on the U.S. economy, which always the media says this, but the reality is it's the government uh, and the restrictions that have done a number on the U.S. economy. If people had just treated COVID-19 like they did with every other flu and pandemic that had come out, which is to say 
do nothing differently and just go about their lives, then we wouldn't have had huge job losses. We wouldn't have businesses going under left and right. Maybe some more people would be dead, but at the very least, you wouldn't have the suicides. You wouldn't have the businesses being destroyed. And it's just getting started. Uh, By the way, we get the Dunkin' Donuts shutting 800 stores uh, very soon. Now, it's not, it's only 8% of their stores. They've got an S load of stores out there, but still. still a lot of stores. And I think that's probably pandemic, you know, crackdown related. It probably is, yeah. There's not as many people if you're if you are in the habit of going to get coffee and a donut every single morning which is not oh, a yeah. good habit to have but if that was the habit that you had and then all of a sudden you don't have a job anymore or there's the potential that you're not going to have a job maybe you're going to tighten your budget a little bit and decide well i guess i'll make my own coffee at home and forgo the donuts or if you're not going out and you're working from home you're just going right. to make your own coffee you're right. not going to go out get coffee and then come back and you're probably not going to go out and get donuts and right. come back right <laughs> so fewer people likely going to get coffee and donuts meaning 800 stores closing and a lot of people out of work they're saying here a lot of these jobs aren't going to come back the us has been plunged into a deep recession sending unemployment levels skyrocket in fact, jobless claims reached a record high in April. And while things improved slightly in May and June, new restrictions could send the unemployment rate even higher in the coming months. We spoke earlier this week about the Washington Post editorial that was demanding a near total lockdown. They said we need to have 90% of the population locked down. They were saying farm workers need to lock down, truckers need to lock down, basically shut down the entire food Do you supply. Want to starve to death? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Let's just lock them up. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, and we're seeing crackdowns happening elsewhere in places like California. It looks like Vermont is going with a mask mandate, I think, starting this weekend or Monday. Mm. Uh, States all across the United States are doing this, even our very own Keene, New Hampshire, is considering When is that coming into effect in Keene? It hasn't been voted on yet. Oh, it hasn't been voted on. Um, Next Thursday. Do uh, they even have the authority to do that? I don't know. You know, they... I think we should find out. Wasn't there a case in Nashua where somebody took it to court and they lost the initial court case in nashville was apparently a loss but i don't know if that was just a motion to dismiss or if that was the case itself so i'm not sure that what would be, happened that would there. certainly be interesting to seeing what happened there and yeah. why hey daily digestion listeners this is riley blake i enjoy free talk live and i know you do too but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy so i produce the daily digest I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Rising joblessness, says Motley Fool, could coincide with the end of the $600 weekly unemployment boost that's been keeping millions of Americans afloat these past few months. That $600 boost, which Marsh's CARES Act provided for, expires at the end of July. But because of the way states pay for their unemployment benefits on a weekly cycle, for most jobless folks, it's already gone. Meanwhile, lawmakers are gearing up to present a new stimulus package to provide ongoing relief during the COVID-19 crisis and extend unemployment our extended unemployment is a big part of it but a continuation of the $600 boost is unlikely to happen in fact the treasury secretary steve mnuchin who by the way hates bitcoin has already <laughs> come out and said that boosted unemployment will going forward amount to more like an extra 188 to 310 dollars 
per week. Why not extend the full 600? Lawmakers say it's a deterrent for workers to return to a job, since with it, some out-of-work Americans make more money on unemployment than they do in an employment capacity. But, wow, you think incentives matter? This seems yeah, like I such, didn't know politicians knew that. This seems like such a bad idea. You you want people to work. You shouldn't not want people to work. I mean, I I kind of understand wanting to you know from their perspective wanting to, wanting people to stay home, but you know you want people to stay home and be productive, not stay home and not be productive. If that makes any sense. Another argument against the boost is the jobless claims we're seeing right now represent a temporary problem, one that's likely to go away once the outbreak wanes or an effective vaccine is made widely available. Tomorrow, what we're hearing from on is the day when they start uh, the mandatory masks, I guess. Oh, boy. That's tomorrow. Okay. Now, what does that mean, mandatory masks? Like, you have to wear a mask when you leave your house, or what are the rules? Do you know? It sounds like you're going to wear a mask, you know, if you're going to a store or a business or, mm-hmm. you know, or what have you. And I, I'm not really too thrilled about it, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll just go shopping over New Hampshire. <laughs> well, I think that's what a lot of not people do anyway. Yeah. yeah, is yeah. I mean, the problem The problem is, at least in Keene, uh, they're going to potentially implement a mask rule too here. So they're talking yeah, about it. I've got details about that. If we get a chance, we can, yeah, we can talk about it. A couple other cities as well in New Hampshire, at it's, least. It says here, according to the Vermont Department of Health, effective August 1st. So, yeah, that's tomorrow. Uh, they're going to be mandating face masks in public spaces. Uh, they say that anytime it's not possible to keep a six-foot distance from others who are not part of your household, they say this includes both indoor and outdoor spaces and group living settings. A mask, they then say, helps protect people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Hope and you don't they, share a room with anybody. <laughs> and they say uh, examples of a face mask required at trips to any store, pharmacy, doctor, or hospital, at a gathering in the park with friends and family who do not live in your household, at any indoor outdoor public event, such as a rally, protest, farmer's market, or campaign event, riding the bus, taxi, or rideshare, walking on a busy and crowded street, before and after a yoga or exercise class. The tidal wave of damage from the first global pandemic in a century was almost as bad as Wall Street expected. Analysts by MarketWatch had forecasted a 35% decline in GDP at an annual pace, the official scorecard of the U.S. economy. The economy began to recover in mid-May after a severe contraction at the beginning of the quarter, but the U.S. faces a long road back. Millions of Americans are still out of work. Thousands of businesses have closed, and many of those that remain open have had to scale back operations because of tepid demand or ongoing government restrictions. So even though some businesses have been able to reopen, that doesn't mean that all the customers are rushing back in. Yeah, I, I would expect there to be some decline in business, you know, r- realistically for a lot of businesses, regardless of whether the government, you know, put these restrictions. But putting these restrictions, some people are staying home, right? But putting these restrictions has made is basically making the difference between a business surviving and a business going under. Exactly. The recent surge in coronavirus cases in about half the U.S. states, especially large ones such as Texas and Florida, have also dealt a blow to a fragile economic recovery. Previously. GDP had never shrunk by more than 10% on an annualized basis in any quarter since the government began keeping track shortly after World War II. I actually uh, got diagnosed with COVID. Really? So today was my first day I could leave the house and uh, I wanted to drive around and listen to your show. Um, I was just going to let you know my doctor refused to prescribe any medication, even to treat my symptoms. 
Uh, I specifically asked about hydrochloroquine, and she was adamant that, uh, you know, that wasn't proven and they weren't going to be prescribing that to me. Uh, so I called a friend of mine I went to college with, who is now a doctor. He was pretty surprised that she would say that because everyone that works with him is on it, and they prescribe it to every patient. I've had a lot of huh. success with it. I'm on day three of the medication, and I feel a hundred times better. So you you were able to get um, it then? What medication? The hydrochloroquine. Oh, okay. okay. You did get it. Yeah. How did you? How did you go to your doctor then? Right. How to get? How'd you get it if it wasn't through your doctor? Well, I have a friend who's a physician that he prescribes it to all of his patients. Mm, okay. Um, and so he he called in the prescription for me. You said that it felt similar to your typical uh, yearly seasons changing, you know, stuffiness yeah. or whatever. Like, what were the symptoms for it, you? Well, it did, and you know, there was a, a couple of days of diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the loss of taste, um, and then it kind of settled in my chest, and I felt like a it was like a chest cold. Uh, so it felt like a sign. Were you coughing up? Fle- were you coughing up phlegm when you say a chest cold? Uh, I was coughing up a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you, my abdomen is extremely sore from coughing so much. Wow! And uh, Wednesday night, the day I started the hydroxychloroquine, it really started to like bust up. Mm-hmm. But I was coughing so much, and it was hard for me to get a deep breath, mm-hmm. you know, without my chest hurting. I went ahead and went to the ER just to make sure that I wasn't developing the pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a chest x-ray. They drew blood, tested my organs. Uh, they said everything looked good. It was just complications from the, the COVID. And interestingly enough, the doctor at the ER prescribed me a Z-Pack and a steroid for my symptoms and told me to continue taking the hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. So he was on board with that med. Thursday, I started taking a Z-Pack and um, a steroid. I'm not, I'm not remembering what the name of the steroid is they put me on, but did you say a Z-Pack, erythromycin? Yes. Okay. Yes. Azithromycin, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't pronounce both drug names. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> so but, look, uh, let's yeah. look back here. I mean, as somebody who's now come down with COVID nineteen, uh-huh. uh, you're in Arkansas. Do you feel like has your opinion changed? And what was your opinion about the you know the the crackdown, mandatory masks? What's this? You know, what do you what were you thinking well, before? I've, I've always been against the mandatory mask. You know, I think that for someone like me now who knows they have it, even though they say that I'm not contagious now. I'm going to throw a mask on if I go in somewhere just to be courteous, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I, and my kids are, you know, I've got a 16 year old and an 18 year old and they're both like, huh, now how do you feel about masks, old man? And I'm like, uh, well, I still feel like if you want to wear it, you can wear it. If you don't, you shouldn't have to. Also, we're seeing, uh, other things drop as far as, uh, consumer spending is concerned. Spending on services has dropped 43.5% at an annual pace as of quarter two. Households are spending less on goods, though the decline there wasn't quite as steep. Purchases have dropped 11.3% for households. Americans bought more cars, groceries, and certain other household staples with many working from home, but the sales of clothing, gasoline, and many other goods all fell sharply. 
business investment also stumbled badly as companies either froze or slashed their spending. Outlays on infrastructure such as oil rigs sank 35%, while spending on equipment shrank by 37.7%, both record declines. Investment in new housing also shriveled by 38.7%. Uh, but it appears to have sprung back quickly, while record low mortgage rates have spawned a rash of new home sales and spurred builders to step up construction towards the end of the quarter. And we've definitely seen a healthy home sales market here as far as the the houses that are on the market. There aren't as many on the market, uh, but those that are on the market are getting snatched up almost instantaneously at least the ones around here that i've seen interesting they haven't even the ones like in this neighborhood mm-hmm. there are two of them two houses that sold within a week of being put on the market the rate of inflation they say uh here fell at a 1.9 percent pace in the second quarter you believe that one nope nope me neither they because well, again government hmm. doesn't measure inflation yeah. like inflation should be measured they have yeah, a very tricky sense. They have a very tricky system uh the cost of a lot of things is not even factored in to the government's official numbers well basically anything that's going to make that's going to give you a realistic picture they exclude from the statistics because right. that's not what they want you to have so uh, that's you know, some of the summaries there from Market Watch about the dramatic declines we're seeing from second quarter, and uh, that given that second quarter is is already over, we're into the third quarter at mm. this point. What is it going to look like at the end of the third quarter? Are we going to see even more declines because of the continued crackdowns that are happening across the United States? I wish there were more positive news, and certainly there is in the world of cryptocurrency, uh, where you know Bitcoin is. Is at eleven thousand dollars plus today. Gold at record highs as well. But as you pointed out earlier in the show tonight, nobody. That just may mean that the dollar is at record lows. If you're seeing gold at record highs, yeah. so that's it's uh, another way to look at it. Is as though it is just a, uh, a hedge against inflation. Not that you're gaining on the dollar. You got the number one podcast in, I think, the world. Certainly in the United States. And no, it's not Free Talk Live. Uh, (laughs) We've got a fraction of a fraction of the amount of uh, listeners that the Joe Rogan experience has. So he's on episode 1515, released two or three days ago. Rogan adopted his customary tone, this according to Cointelegraph.com, used to plug his advertising sponsors, including Cash App, before going on to state some serious technical points about Bitcoin, like stacking Satoshis. Uh, We'll tell you what that means here in a moment. Rogan read on the air, again, an advertisement for Cash App, which for listeners who aren't familiar with Cash App, uh, this is a product by the Square Corporation, which is a company that it's competing with PayPal, basically. They're trying to compete with the the sort of apps like Venmo or PayPal that allow you to send U.S. dollars from one person to another person. That's sort of where they started. Mm -hmm. But a couple years ago, they started selling Bitcoin through Cash App as well. And now, uh, one of the more recent stories prior to this one, earlier this year, was that, I think it was in 2019, Cash App's revenue from Bitcoin sales was higher than their revenue from the entire rest of the Cash App business combined. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, this thing that they added later in the, you know, the life of Cash App has become the number one revenue generator. This Customs and Border Protection has admitted that there is an practical no practical way for americans to avoid having their movements tracked by its license plate readers according to its latest privacy assessment 
Yeah, I mean, it's mm. funny. Um, I, I'm, I'm constantly on, on people telling people how terrible, you know, what driver's licenses and license plates are for their privacy. And, you know, I get, you know, I get these weird looks like, what are you insane? Are you one of those, uh, uh, I forget what they're, what, what do those people call that, um, privacy nuts? No, no, they drive around, uh, you know, without licenses and license plates. And Freedom like to that. travel advocates? No, no, no. Um, sovereign citizens. Sovereign citizens, yes, yeah. Okay. And I'm not a sovereign citizen, but um, I certainly see the... I, I would be more of a privacy nut kind, yeah. of, kind of guy. But um, yeah, I mean, it's people don't realize just how, how much their privacy has been attacked, um, you know, over the years with the development of technology. What what might not have been so bad at one time, you know, uh, has turned into this, this constant surveillance state. And it's these license plates that enable that. Now... Wait, not, not not the license plates, but the scanners, right? We're talking about scanning well, devices or it, cameras. It takes two things, right? It takes the license plate, obviously. Well, if obviously, if yeah. you don't have license plates, the scanners don't work. That's true. So, you know, you got the license plate and you got the scanners. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, you can get rid of uh, – you can say, okay, we can pass a law that says you can't have scanners anymore – but the only way to make sure that it doesn't work is to get rid of the license plate. Right. So unfortunately, there's no one promo- proposing <laughs> that. When you take away a freedom from a people that had the freedom, they notice. They're more likely to notice. Like, yeah, we haven't had the absolutely. freedom to drive without license plates and licenses in our lifetimes, and neither have our grandparents or our grandparents. Uh, but if, for instance, red light cameras are put up in your lifetime and they start ticketing people, people are going to be pissed. Yeah. And there's some pushback against that. And we've seen in, in some uh, cities across the U.S. where red light cameras are foisted upon the population by the politicians. You see a pushback. And, in fact, you see some of the numbers come out that actually red light cameras are more dangerous. They cause accidents and they actually make things worse on the roads. Yeah, so I mean, they've, they've gotten rid of them in some cities. You know, you know what's interesting is I, I think the part of the reason there wasn't any pushback on a lot of this stuff is because it's a slippery slope. You know, they slowly start off. You know, when they first came out with license plates, they weren't pulling people over probably. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, they started mm-hmm. pulling people over. And then it became this thing where, you know, you're constantly being pulled over. They start doing DUI checkpoints. They start doing all this stuff. They just keep yeah, adding it ramps it, up. And it becomes an issue. But because it's always been little slow increments, nobody, nobody, you know... But it wasn't like that with red light cameras. It wasn't a yeah. slow increment. It was a boom. They're here, well, and now they're ticketing people. It's that is true to some degree, but it, they didn't show, pop up everywhere immediately. It took, but they did in took, cities. They did pop up in a given city, and that's, that's what, true. That's where the pushback happens. This wasn't a state level program anywhere right, right, it's ever right. been done that I know of. It's a city that puts these things in. Where's the line between freedom and violence? In other words. Do you disagree with the United States Constitution? Well, I didn't sign the Constitution. The Michigan Constitution parallels the United States Constitution. The U.S. Constitution. I'm sorry. I thought you were asking a question. Were you just – did you want to have an answer to the question? I I, I am. I am. Uh, so my answer, and I'd love to have the rest of the panel uh, answer this question from their perspective, but about the U.S. Constitution was, for its time – it was a good idea in that moment, right? Like, you know, leaving the, the king, uh, throwing off that, that system and creating something new, trying something different. Uh, the, I can understand that. I think a lot of the rights that they were, they were supposed, supposedly respecting by enshrining them in the, the Bill of Rights were good ideas. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out, and we now have one of the most tyrannical uh, countries on the planet as far as it's spread across the globe. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. 
You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.